He's alive, Oikos Church. He is risen. We have a lot to give thanks for. Have you guys gone into the bathrooms? If you haven't been to the bathroom, some of you that have never been here, you're like, what is he talking about? But <laughs> you didn't know how bad our bathrooms were. They are awesome, right? Let's give thanks to the Lord for the bathrooms this morning. Did you guys see the front of the church? I wanted to tell you that Howard had never done gardening really before. Let's give thanks that Howard learned to garden. Easter is a great day to give thanks for things because we start to recognize that he really is risen in the things that we thought were dead. And this morning we're going to take a look at a few of the things, a few of the emotions, a few of the experiences that I believe the women went through as they engaged on that Sunday morning. And the first thing is the weight. It's one of the hardest things for us. The weight. The women and, and the disciples, they respected the law of the Lord so much so that they didn't go anywhere. Now, if you jump in the shoes of those women that morning, or even the night before, I could think of a couple things that I might have been thinking. One is, the moment he was dead, I'm out of Jerusalem. I'm out of here. I'm going to take my stuff and I'm going to run because he's dead. But there's something going on with the women. They did actually believe in a resurrection. They did know that there would be a resurrection coming. They just didn't realize he would resurrect in three days. So if you believed in that, perhaps knowing that all this stuff happened, if we look in the book of Matthew, in the gospel of Matthew, we know that they saw souls rise from the graves as it shook as he died. They saw crazy things happen. So perhaps a few of the women weren't so worried about running out of town, but maybe they wanted so desperately to go to his grave and just finish what they had started. To embalm the body and get it ready for the day that the Lord would come and resurrect the dead. I don't know how many of you have been in that kind of circumstance where the waiting is so hard. In fact, I saw a study that we're actually getting programmed. Are you ready for this? To not wait. How many of you looked at your phone this morning? Perhaps you're looking at Facebook right now. That's no, no. <laughs> Unless you're posting about how great your pastor is. Then, no. They've done a study that we want the one second gratification and then we move on to the next thing we're always seeking new information that it's got to the point where when we are asked to sit and reflect we think we're late wasting time because we're not getting more stuff i bet a few of you could probably sit in that right now and go oh i didn't realize it's being programmed that way but if you've ever been asked to reflect and you go, I don't know if I can't, I, I can't just sit here. 
and breathe it in. But that's what these women did as they waited to go to the tomb on Sunday morning. They waited, obediently following the Sabbath law. They waited. And then when they got to the tomb, they found nothing. No body, just a cloth. What's interesting is that's the beginning of them finding everything. In finding nothing, they realize something, something had happened. What they expected had been reversed. In a way, in not finding Jesus, they actually found Jesus. He wasn't just a prophet. He would be different. So waiting, hard thing for us to do. But what about the shock? I think shock is one of the best ways to describe the women when they realize about this discovery that they were the first ones to see. Shock, the body's gone. Shock, could he still be here? It's when everything you expected doesn't happen. You walk into work, and your boss says, sorry, we're cutting your position. And your mind goes, oh, are you giving me a new one? <laughs> like, is this a promotion? No, you're fired. Oh, you don't mean that I'm fired. You mean that other person. No, you mean I'm really cut. It's the shock and disbelief when something's said to you that you do not expect. I know for Sarah and I, when we found out that she was pregnant with our first, Abriana, we were out of the country. We were in Guatemala. We were on Sarah's first mission trip. She was seeing a lot of things that she didn't expect. She didn't see this one coming. We had many people tell her, joking, you must be pregnant. And we're like, ah, ha, ha, she's not pregnant. She was a little sick in the morning. She looked a little flushed. I, actually, I don't totally know what a woman is supposed to look like when she finds out that she's pregnant. I was always clueless. So she, these other people would say, oh, you must be pregnant. And we were there for a whole week, and they kept saying, oh, you must be pregnant. Oh, you must be. And we're like, and finally, our flight gets canceled. So we are stuck in Guatemala. Not really stuck. It was kind of good. We were there for another day. And they kept pestering us about her being pregnant. So we're like, we'll go to a pharmacia. Pharmacia. And we will get a test. Well, this particular pharmacy didn't have any tests that were in English. And it's called the Bebe Taste. I didn't know if it worked, but I was like, whatever. We have got to get these people off our back. So I bought the test, and then we're newly married. I mean, it's only been 
It's been less than a year. We are celebrating our first year anniversary in Guatemala. And so I wasn't in the bathroom while she was taking the test because that was no way. So behind the closed door, I was sitting at the door, and she was on the other side, and I was translating the instructions to her, <laughs> what she was supposed to do. We'd never been pregnant. It was shock. So she did. I won't go through that whole thing. So she did it. And then I said, you're supposed to be looking for her. And I think it was like lining up of the lines or something. She's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yes, I'm sure. That's what you're supposed to And she comes out of the bathroom. She has the thing. She goes, I think we're pregnant. And I look and I go, I think we're pregnant. <laughs> but guess what? The shock of it, the, the shock that all of a sudden our lives were changed. We still didn't believe it. We're like, well, it was the baby test. So we'll see. We'll actually go get another test to make sure. Well, this was, a, was kind of going on with the women. That even though a message was given to them by the angels, their mere shock and amazement kept them from fully believing that this was really happening. They were in shock. But then they had a breakthrough. Luke chapter 24, verse 8. I want you guys, if you have your own Bibles or you're looking in your U version on your phone, just mark it. And they remembered his words. Finally, the Lord's power through his spirit, through his words, penetrates the hearts of unbelieving people. No matter what was going on, no matter how much shock was in them or fear, it, penetrate, it penetrated their hearts. And they remembered. They remembered the words of Jesus. They finally understood but even more than understanding, they believed. Verse 9, And after returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven apostles and to all the rest. So now the experience of the witness. That's what happens when the Lord's words finally penetrate your heart. Then you tell others. In those early days of us looking at the baby test, we told a few. And they were all excited. But we didn't tell everyone. We were older when we got married, or at least we felt we were old. I was 29 Sarah was 27. I was nearing 30, or I was already 30. I like to say nearing, but I was already 30 when we found out she's pregnant. And we didn't know if something would go wrong. So we held this close because we didn't want to tell anyone. But these women, 
the word penetrated their hearts and they believed so much so that they ran back to tell first I imagine the 11 apostles Peter was one of them Matthew they just went in and started telling we believe he's risen maybe they used some cautionary words in that maybe they used some disclaimers like well the angels told us that he was risen or maybe they just went all out and said he's risen he really is risen Verse 11, but their reports seemed to them like idle talk and nonsense, and they would not believe them. The women had a breakthrough. For the first time, they actually understood and believed who Jesus was. And they wanted to share this, but all they got was opposition. Perhaps you've seen this in your own family. You believe. And you want to report how good Jesus is in your life. And maybe what you get is an eye roll. Oh, here comes so-and-so talking about Jesus again. Or maybe you get Oh, that's nice. But you don't have those who you love and share a story with really believe. They think you're filled with nonsense. What I love about the women is as I picture it, they went into this scene and who would be the leaders of the church very soon said you're crazy and man I wouldn't suggest that you tell your wife that she's crazy today probably not a good move but these men didn't care women you're all crazy and yet the women didn't stop at the apostles and go well no one believed they went on what we suspect to be the other 70 and they kept on telling man after man after man and probably many other women he's risen he's risen indeed hallelujah he's risen he keeps they keep on saying this over and over and what the scriptures tell us all of them thought they were filled with nonsense so it wasn't just one or two, but all of them. But these women didn't give up. And then finally, in verse 12, Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping at the small entrance and looking in, he saw only the linen wrappings, and he went away, wondering about what had happened. As I looked at this part of the scripture, I wondered how long did Peter listen to the women tell one person after another, because he was probably one of the first to hear. 
Did he watch? I mean, think about who's assembled today, and I start here in the front row, and I start telling you, and maybe you kind of overhear a little bit, but you don't hear the full thing, so I have to keep telling, and one person after another keeps going, he crazy. But I keep telling you, and I keep telling you, and they're going, he crazy, he crazy, loco, he crazy. And I keep telling, I keep telling, I go through, how long would that take? Maybe 10, 15 minutes, maybe longer, if someone would actually go, well, let me hear more. But I suspect probably not. Probably more like 15 minutes, Peter sat there and he watched these women go from one person to another, to another, to another, to another, to another, to another. And then finally he said, I got to go. I got to go see if these women are correct. Hey, women, how many of you have had your husbands had to go see if you're correct? Oh, yeah. That's a classic thing for a guy, right? You get told something, and it's the absolute truth, but you go, well, let me go see. Well, this is what Peter's doing. Well, let me go see. Because you're just, you know, you're just, yeah. So he doesn't care. If he's a fool in front of the other men, he doesn't, cool, he doesn't care that the others look at him as a leader and that this could strip away his power. He just runs to the tomb. And even as he goes in there, he still can't believe that Jesus is risen. He's heard the testimony of the women probably more than once. And he still just walks away wondering, could it be so? He just wasn't quite ready to believe. <coughs> and the scripture tells us that Jesus appears and says to all of them, peace be with you. And in their amazement and excitement, in their shock again, they can't believe. So then Jesus says it again. And he says it again. And then finally, they believe. I'm encouraged today that Jesus doesn't give up. And I wonder how many times do we have to hear the words of Jesus before we remember them. But what Jesus does is he doesn't give up. Maybe you're here today right now and you're kind of like, I'm here today not because I believe necessarily that this is life-changing, but because my mom does or my sister does. And I'm here for them. Or I'm here today because bought a new Easter dress and I wanted to wear it. Or I'm here today because there's supposed to be a great meal and they said you had to go to church first, so I'm going to do that first. And maybe some of you came in and you said, I'm here today because I, I, I believe that there's something going on with this whole thing called faith and life in Jesus. But I often walk out wondering, kind of like Peter, is it really true? 
Does Jesus really care that much? Does he really love me that much? But what I'm encouraged about is that Jesus will always keep reappearing and saying, peace be with you. Peace in your chaos. Peace in your difficulty. Peace be with you. He does not surrender or stop, just like the women did not stop telling people that he was risen. But he goes even further. He will pursue you. He will speak to you. He will appear to you. He will not relent until we believe. I wonder, could we follow this way of Jesus? Could we be people who are patient with those who don't believe, even when they say to our face, it's a waste of time? Could we be patient with those who we've shared that Jesus is our Lord and they reject it? Can we be patient with our family who should know they've heard it but they reject it. Could we be patient like Jesus? Could we not tire of telling people the same story over and over again? See, I know you won't tire of it. It's just a story that you want to share. Sarah, my wife, is one that you may have heard a certain story. She could tell it like a thousand times. I'm looking at Victor. He could do the same thing. You, some people, they will tell you the story and they'll do it with the same enthusiasm as if they're telling you for the first time and you're like, you've told me like 10 times. <laughs> Every time we get into this place, you're, I know you're going to tell that story. Can we get that about the story of Jesus? Every time we tell people about who Jesus is, it's like the first time even if we've told them 20 times, 40 times, 100 times. Parents, this is so important for you. This is a message for you today, right now. And you can listen. Your kids are over here. Don't tire of telling the story. You think you've told it once, you've told it twice. They should know it. Well, guess what Jesus says? Until they remember my words, until they know and believe, until they tell the story over and over, don't relent. Don't give up. Could we be in the way of Jesus? Could we step into his way of things? where we don't stop appearing in people's lives, especially those who have rejected us and scorned us and spit on us, that we keep appearing in their lives. How many of you have been in a bad way with someone and then you find yourself in a certain store with them? 
And do you do one of these? I know I do. Sometimes there's someone that I'm like, man, and I could be taught like, oh, I cannot stand that person. Yes, I do that sometimes, and I have to be corrected. Cannot stand that person. Blah, blah, blah. And then there they are, and I'm like, But you know what Jesus' reaction is? It's that very person that you're pretty sure hates you. Jesus' reaction is not this. Jesus' reaction is this. Could we step in the way, into the ways of Jesus? Essentially getting over ourselves. And instead letting the one who lives in us lead us. Simple message today. Let's try. Let's try. Not just like, oh, I'll try, but really try. The moment that you feel yourself going like this, that you, you pause and you say, Lord, help me with what you want me to say. In the moment that you don't want to say the story of Jesus again, that you go, Lord, let me tell them about Jesus with a smile on my face one more time. Parents, when you're so frustrated with your children, can you stop for one moment and step in the way of Jesus and go, His love goes past my frustration. And I will not relent until they believe. Could we, this season, this year, put away our excuses? Could we, church? Ooh, that was so powerful. <laughs> Just made my heart jump. Could we put away our excuses? Yes. We are the excuse nation. We can come up with excuses for everything. Oh, man, do I hear them. You been reading your Bible? Oh, my app isn't working. Are you coming to worship? Oh, I, I plan on it, but man, my alarm just doesn't go off. Oh, or, well, my husband, if he would come, then I would go. Oh, that hit, didn't it, right? Oh, my children, it's their nap time. I'm serious. I'm serious. We come up with excuses. Why can't you go to an MC? It's just so far away. It's like two blocks. <laughs> oh, man, Wednesday nights are so rough. I know you have food there, but man, you just don't understand what we got going on. Right? That's how we operate. We operate in excuses, but what the 
message is telling us today is that Jesus said, step out of those and don't relent. My message is too important. The women give us this message. My message of the resurrection is too important to throw all these excuses in the way. So let's try. Let's try because Jesus says in verse 48, you are the witnesses of these saints. There's really no better way to say it. You, you are the witnesses of these things. For every person in here right now today that believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord, who died on the cross and rose again, you are the witnesses of these things. May we be like the women who do not relent so that the story of Jesus would be told. May we be like Jesus who does not stop appearing to people until they believe. May we be his people, his family, his church. Amen. Christ is risen. Are we going to put away our excuses? I'll be watching. That's really not a good way to end. Christ is risen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us this time to look at the story of your resurrection. Lord, there are areas of our heart that need resurrected. There are areas where we don't believe. For some of us, we don't believe that you're really present and active right now. Even though you said it, even though you told us you would never leave us, sometimes we feel alone. And we don't believe that you're really there. Even though you said that by believing in you, our life would be transformed, we don't see and cannot see your transformation happening in our lives. So today, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would breathe upon this place and speak faith into our hearts. Where there is fear, may you take that out, excise it, Transform it. Heal it. Lord, we plead to you that we'd be different. That we wouldn't walk out these doors this morning and just say that was a good message or boy, the music was great or thank God they had air conditioning. Lord, I, I pray that you would say, for us, I believe. I believe. And so with all these things that are upon our hearts, we pray the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
forever and ever. Amen.